Amen. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Last week, Paul keeps talking about, in this great letter, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He should have first place in everything. And the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That everything we will ever want or ever need, we can find within Jesus, not outside of Jesus. And therefore, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are complete in Him. Now last week, we saw where when we worship the Lord, we are humbled before Him. And that we need to have a proper perspective of who Jesus is and who he is to us and what we are even to him because there were all these false teachers as there will be even in our day who seek to get us to find fulfillment and satisfaction and everything that we need or something that we need outside of Jesus. Paul wants to continue on that tonight. And as I studied this passage we're going to look at tonight, I couldn't help but think of the word identity that Paul really wants to ground all of us, ground the Colossian Christians in our identity, who we are. Because even for Christians, so many Christians, I think, struggle with, who am I? I know I'm a Christian. I know I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I, I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I know my sins are forgiven. But who really am I? One of the programs that I watch every once in a while. It's called Long Lost Family. I don't know whether you've ever watched that program or not. I can't watch it without crying. It's a very emotional program that I usually don't try to necessarily put myself out there to do. I'm usually pretty drained as it is. It's a program that's all built on adoption. Maybe some of you are adopted. It's about parents who put their children up for adoption who after so many years are looking for those that they put up for adoption or children who were adopted who are looking after many, many years for their birth parent. And I found it very interesting that in this program they would interview these children who were adopted, who are now, many of them, 30s, 40s, 50s, who it's been years since they were adopted, and many of them, fortunately, landed in good situations with good adoptive parents and a good family situation and actually had a great life. But when they interview them, they, they say something like, I still want to know, I want to find out what the circumstances were around my adoption. And, and I, I just, I want to know who my birth mother or birth father was. And if they're still alive, I want to meet them because in some way, I still feel like part of my identity is missing. Like I'm, I'm not complete. And, and that I won't be complete until I fill in that part of me. Well, I want us to bring that same mindset into this passage tonight. Because the Bible tells us we've all been adopted by God. And, and Paul wants us to be so understanding, 
to have such a grasp of our identity that we will never feel incomplete. Because remember, Paul said in Colossians 2.10, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you, every Christian, you are complete in him. You are filled in him. So when you and I really know our identity, when we really grasp who we are, then no one or nobody or nothing can ever come along in our life and, and make us feel like we're lacking. Like we have to go after something else or find out something else because everything we really are in need has already been wrapped up in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, note, notice here at the very beginning how central Jesus is to our identity and to everything we are and everything we do as a Christian. He says in verse 1, you and I have been raised with Christ. We'll come back to that. Then notice in verse 3, he tells us we died with Christ. Well, that's sort of uh, the shortened version of Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I've been raised with Christ, but before that I died with him. Then also verse 3, my life is hidden with Christ. We'll talk about that. Then he says in verse 4, Christ is your life. And then finally, at the end of verse 4, he says, oh, and by the way, you're going to be in glory with him one day. Raised with Christ, died with Christ, hidden with Christ, live with Christ, in glory with Christ. <laughs> and, and what Paul is saying is, as for a Christian, there is this intimate and irrevocable union and association with Jesus Christ. Our life is completely wrapped up and intertwined with him. And you and I can't really know our identity if we don't know Christ and if we don't realize that our lives are totally wrapped up in him. You see, you and I get to know us by getting to know Jesus. And the more you and I know Jesus and know who he is and know who he is to us and what he is to us, the more then we are secure and settled in our identity and that we will never feel incomplete or lacking or deficient in anything. And that's why, in a sense, what Paul wants to do here is he wants to insulate believers to the false doctrines out there or to anyone, even including Satan himself, who may come along and seek to, to pull us away or distract us by somehow us having our identity un unsure of it, and, and going after something else in our life, some other kind of knowledge or understanding of something to make us feel complete, just as these dear souls in this show feel like they have to make that one last connection for them to feel secure and settled and complete in their life. So let's talk about these things. First of all, he says, again, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, this is something Paul already talked about to the Ephesians, remember? He says, you have been raised with Christ and now you are seated with him in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 2.5. And now Paul comes right back to the Colossians and says the same thing. Do you realize, he says, that every one of us, we have been raised with Jesus Christ and we are seated with him positionally in heaven right now. And that that truth of who we really are in Christ should color 
Everything that we say and do throughout our day, it, it should affect how, how our mindset and, and outlook on, on each day uh, appears. How we navigate the day. We've been raised with Jesus Christ. We've already experienced a resurrection. Now, one day we're going to experience a physical resurrection, but Paul's saying to the Colossians, you realize that every one of us, we are a walking miracle because God raised us spiritually from the dead already, and we're raised with Christ. Think about it. You and I were dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together with Jesus Christ. You've experienced a resurrection. You've experienced a miracle of God in your life when you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And you now have this resurrected life. And, and you and I now don't have to get caught up in all the gunk that we sometimes allow ourselves to down here because we have the perspective now of being seated with Jesus in the heavens and, and, and we can... We can have a whole different perspective. It's like, you know, the perspective you get if you fly in an airplane and how different the earth and the world looks from 30,000 feet up. Well, guess what? Paul is saying to us, we could have that same sort of spiritual perspective on everything by looking at it from up here. Sort of ties into just what Nicole talked about. Looking to Jesus and realizing we're right up there with him. And it should, it should literally change everything about us. Now, we're going to come back to being raised from the dead. And I want you to keep that in mind because as that, one of the things that Paul's going to get into here also in this passage is sort of the concept of trying to describe this new life in Christ and our new identity by, by putting on a new wardrobe, you see, by having new clothes. And in a sense, he's saying, if, if, if you died, and you were buried in, in a certain kind of clothes, and God raised you even physically from the dead, would you continue to walk around in your grave, grave clothes? I mean, they got a little bit of a stench to them, and they've been underground, and all this, and no. The first thing you'd want to do is you'd want to take those grave clothes off, and you'd want to put on something new, something fresh, something that smells fragrant, rather than the stench of old grave clothes. And so keep that in mind as we go through here too because Paul's basically saying, as a Christian, let's take off the clothes that's associated with our old life, our life before Jesus Christ. Let, let's take those clothes off and let's leave them in the back of our wardrobe, if you will. And let, let's not put those on anymore. Let's, let's choose every day to put on the new clothes, the, the new wardrobe that we have now in Christ since we've been raised in Christ. Because when you and I accepted Christ, we got a whole new wardrobe. And we don't have to wear the old clothes anymore. If we wear those old clothes, we choose to wear them, but it's not because we have to anymore. Jesus gave us new clothes. So that goes back to that whole idea of being raised with Christ. But then notice also in verse 1, he says, since you've been raised with Christ, then keep seeking the things above where Christ is. This idea is to devote serious effort and attention to something. In fact, it was a phrase that we used to describe worship. In a sense, he's saying, now that you and I have been raised with Christ, shouldn't that be the focus of our life? Because that's where Christ is, and where our treasure, or where, yeah, where our treasure is, there our heart is, and so shouldn't our, our focus and our attention be on things heavenward and things eternal? Because when, when Paul talks about seeking things above, 
he's tying all those things in. Yes, things of heaven, eternal things, but not things of the earth, not temporal things. And you and I have certainly been talking about that through our study of the Gospel of Luke. How even Luke doesn't want us to get caught up in Jesus as he's teaching his followers to get caught up in earthly temporal things, but to live for what really matters, to live for eternal things. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. If you and I have been resurrected and we've been given this new life in Christ, let's put on the new clothes and let's start seeking the things that are above, the eternal things, investing in eternity, and let's worship the things that really matter because Christ is there. And if Christ is there, then that's where my heart is. That's where all of our hearts should be. He reminds us, oh, and by the way, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It, it means he's enthroned. It means he's ruling. It means he's in charge. Again, and guess what? We're there with him. So again, our identity should be, instead of being so unsure and, and feeling having feelings of insecurity and unsettledness, Paul's saying, no, a Christian should never, you know, uh, get to that place if we continue to remind ourselves of our identity. And, th and this is all stuff that's already happened. Paul says, just realize who you are. Realize who you are as a Christian, as a child of God, and where you are. You and I don't have to get caught up in all the things of the world that everybody else gets caught up into. We can let that go, and, and, and we don't have to you know, make that a big deal because that's the things that the people of the world are going after and that's the things that's drawing their attention all that. Our attention isn't there. Our attention's on the better things. Instead of feasting off the crumbs of the world, let's sit at the king's table and feast off of the stuff that really matters. So then he says, verse 2, keep thinking. This is continual, by the way. You notice that all present tense here. We never get to a place in the Christian life where we stop seeking the things that are above, that we stop thinking about things above. It means to have one's mind and way of thinking regulated and directed from above. Because notice he says, not things on the earth. In other words, here's the picture. You and I physically are here on planet earth, but everything that we live by should be from there. We get our direction not from the earth, we get our direction from there. We get our guidance from there, not here. We get our, our understanding and our knowledge and our wisdom, not from here, but from there. In a sense, everything about the Christian is, yes, our, our feet is on the earth, but everything we live by is from heaven. It's from the Lord. You see, instead of living the horizontal life, sort of putting out our feelers and, and extending ourselves this way, Paul's saying, no, the, the, the Christian who is secure in our identity and understands our identity, we should be living from the vertical. And the cool thing is, when, when you and I really tie into the vertical and allow everything in heaven to direct our steps here, then our horizontal life to other people becomes way more effective, you see, instead of the other way around. Keep thinking about things above. Every morning, one of our prayers should be, Lord, regulate my thinking and my thoughts from your throne. 
Not, not from what I see happening on earth, not from what other people are saying and talking about, not from the latest gossip, not from the news, not from this and that. Lord, direct and regulate my thinking and my mindset and my thought life from heaven. You see. For, he says, verse 3, you have died. We died with Christ. We are so intertwined and identified with Christ that in a sense, Paul says first, obviously the good news, we were raised with Christ when he rose from the dead. We entered in and were identified with his resurrection, but we also are identified as his followers in his death. And all that means to us, and it's a great thing, is that you and I, by entering into his death, we were forever separated from the dominance that our old nature and our flesh could have over us. So again, as a Christian, if I choose the old clothes, if I choose to put on the old clothes of the old life and and to act a certain way and talk a certain way and all of that, it's not because I have to. I, I could choose the other way because the power of sin has been broken because I died with Christ. And then I love this. He says, and your life as a Christian is hidden with Christ in God. That means two primary things. First of all, it means that the majority of our life with Christ is out of sight because it's internal. Now, it manifests itself externally, but what Christ does with us and, and, and how we walk with Him and how we hear His voice and, and how He moves and all of that is out of sight, you see. It's hidden. We have a hidden life, you see, that... that other people, especially unbelievers, have no idea, no concept of until they would become a Christian. But even some Christians, if, if you have a vibrant, hidden life with Christ, there'll be other Christians that'll scratch their head and go, man, they, they seem to talk to Jesus and get messages from Jesus and be led. And it's like, and, and they've never, you know, gotten maybe that far and grown that far. And we need to encourage that. But all I'm saying is even other Christians sometimes have a hard time, you know, looking at other Christians and going, what do you have that I don't have? Because I think we're the same. We have the same Christ. It's that hidden life. That hidden life that we all can experience between just us and God. Those alone times, those precious alone times where it's just us and our Savior and, and we're just entering into His presence and we're just spending time. But hidden also means secure and untouchable. In other words, this beautiful life that we have with Jesus, no one can take it from us. That which really matters to us, that's what, what, which is really most valuable and worth to us, our relationship with Jesus, nobody can take our Jesus from us. And as Paul said, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's hidden. It's hidden. And we can feel then so, again, settled and secure. I mean, what did Jesus even say? He said, the worst thing that man can do to you is kill you. Kill your body. Guess what? Then you go to heaven with me for all of eternity. You see? So no one can really do any 
damage to us. Because what God has given us is untouchable, you see. And we are hidden with Christ who's in God. Then, when Christ who is your life, and this isn't the word bios, just physical life, heart-beating life. This is that word that speaks about abundant life. The kind of life that Jesus came to truly give to his followers. He said, Christ is our source of abundant life. And when he appears, when he comes back and returns to earth visibly, then it says, then you too, as his children, will be revealed in glory with him. It means when Jesus is seen by everyone on earth for who he really is, guess what? Everyone will see who we really are. Because again, they don't see who we really are. And sometimes, here's the sad thing, we don't even see who we really are. We, we don't even really know how special, if you will, how, how of, of value and worth we are to God and what we have in Jesus. We, we, we don't really get it. So we always sort of feel incomplete, lacking, which is why then we are very susceptible to going outside of Jesus for other things because we really aren't secure in our identity. Paul's saying, no, I want to insulate you from that once and for all. I want you to be so grounded in who you are in Jesus Christ that no one or nothing will ever pull you away from Jesus. You see. You see, especially think about the world. <laughs> Most of the time they look at us Christians like we're crazy, right? You know. But one day the Bible says we're going to be revealed, meaning they're actually going to see, wow, they had it right. I had it wrong. There really was a God, and he really died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, and he saved people, and he forgives sin. I mean, it's all going to be made clear to them one day. And they're going to see that we had something that they could have had, but they chose not to have. So that's why then Paul, beginning in verse 5, we're not going to take too much time to do this because Paul's basically just saying here in verses 5 through verse 9 and 10, don't wear the grave clothes. Don't wear the clothes that's associated with the old life because you've been raised to a new life and you have a new identity. And that new identity should give you a style. You know, every human being, whether we realize it or not, we all have a style. And we all, in a sense, dress or carry ourselves with a certain style. Now, somebody might say, I don't have a style. That's a style. That's a style. Not having a style is a style. But every human being has, in a sense, clothes or a wardrobe or a way of carrying themselves or whatever that identifies them as them. It's, it's, it's part of our identity. And that's why Paul's using this as sort of a great illustration of the spiritual life. He's saying there's a, the certain wardrobe that's associated with our old life, our life before Christ, that, that grave clothes life, and then there's a whole other life that Christ gave us this new wardrobe, and he's basically saying to Christians, so don't wear those clothes anymore. Put on the new clothes and continue to wear them until you see Jesus. Because he says, that's who you really are now. And part of your struggle then with your identity is, think about this, if you're a Christian 
and you should be wearing this wardrobe, but you continue to wear that wardrobe, you're sort of like confused. You're confusing yourself because you're like, this is who I am, but I'm still wearing these clothes, you see. And, and Paul's saying one of the things that we need to do to solidify our own identity within ourselves is put on these new clothes that God gives us in this new wardrobe and keep them on. And don't go back, you see. And then not only does that solidify our own identity to us, but then that shows others, especially non-believers, that there is something distinct and different about us. That we're not wearing the same clothes they're wearing, you see. There, there's some, and, and that should... And some, sometimes, then that will draw them to either ask us questions about, why is your wardrobe different? Why do you act different? Why do you talk different? Why? And maybe then, hopefully, eventually draw them to the Savior. So Paul said, verse 5, put to death, pull the plug, cut off, sever, whatever is in your nature that belongs to what? Earth. Why? Because our life isn't directed by earth anymore. It's directed where? By heaven, you see, from heaven. Sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And notice he even says, you also lived your lives in this way at one time when you used to live among them. No doubt we've all been there before Christ. But Paul's saying, why are you still there? And if you're struggling with your identity, maybe it's because you're sort of confused yourself because you know in your head you're a Christian, you accepted Christ, but you're still wearing the clothes of the old person that you used to be, not the person that you've become in Christ. So then in verse 8, he says, but now put off, lay aside, cast off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not even lie to one another since you have put off. Literally, it meant to strip, to throw off the old man with its practices. And notice in verse 10, here it becomes very clear that Paul's talking about this new wardrobe and have been clothed with the new man. Basically, Paul's saying, you've been given a new wardrobe, now settle into it and wear it. Wear it that's who we are you see that's who we are so Paul here really wants us to get it raised with Christ hidden with Christ live with Christ in glory with Christ our life is Christ it's all intertwined and interconnected irrevocably with Jesus Christ and everything we do on earth should be directed from heaven. And the more we know about Jesus and who we are in him, the more we will be settled in who we are and we will feel complete and we'll never be pulled away from Jesus thinking somehow that something or someone or anything can fulfill us or satisfy us. No, only Jesus can do that. And one of the wonderful things God has done for us when we were saved is not to allow us to have to live the rest of our lives on earth, even as Christians, wearing the old grave clothes. They stink. He gave us a whole new wardrobe and says, put it on, man. Put it on. In fact, this verse, verse 10, reminded me of Romans 13, 14, one of my favorite verses. Put on the Lord Jesus. 
I love that. Put on the Lord Jesus every day. It's like, you know, just get up every day and go, I'm going to put my Jesus suit on today. So that people can see Jesus. So that they'll hear Jesus and see Jesus. Can't do better than that. Notice he says, now, this new wardrobe, this new man, he or she is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Let's look at the word renewed. It means to undergo a complete renovation. In fact, it's, the only, it's, it's only used two times in the New Testament, and the only other time it's used is in 2 Corinthians in that passage where Paul's saying to the Corinthians, therefore we do not despair, though our outward man is perishing every day, our inner man is what? Being renewed day by day. The only two times in the New Testament this word renewed is used. And again, it means a complete renovation. God isn't coming in after you and I accept Christ and just slapping some paint on the outside of us. You know, putting some putty in the hole. Or, you know, putting some duct tape around us, you know. No, no. It's a complete renovation that starts on the inside and works its way out. The new man. And we're being renewed, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, every day. Paul said to the Romans, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to renew us every day. And he goes about that through the presence and power of his Holy Spirit within us. But notice, how are we renewed? Notice that next, in knowledge. Now, this is important because it's not that God is saying, oh, I, I just want to connect with you on a very intellectual and analytical, you know, sort of that level. No, no, no. No, this word knowledge is a word that speaks about a precise and correct knowledge that can only be gained through firsthand close contact. Intimate. You know. The knowledge that, say, spouses have of each other. The, the knowledge that really close friends have of each other. The knowledge that can only be gained first-hand, intimate, close contact. That's how God renews us. Which, again, then, brings up the point that I want to spend time with the Lord because it's in spending time with the Lord that I truly gain that knowledge and that I am renewed and that I understand every day more and more and it's solidified in my life who I am as a Christian and I have this confidence that I live with and I have this boldness that I live with. I love that verse in Proverbs, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Roar! I mean, it doesn't say roar. That's, I added that, but I'm just saying, you know. We Christians, that, we need to roar, you know? But so many Christians are so, you know, timid and, and, and all of that and, and, and lack the courage and confidence. And why? It's because, man, we don't know who we are. I think that's why that young shepherd boy named David went out there on that field and, and slew Goliath. Not because he thought he was, you know, stronger or bigger or whatever than Goliath, he knew who he was in his God. 
He knew who God was and he knew who he was in God. And one thing you can say about David with all his faults and failings is he had a solid and settled identity as to who he and God were. Always. That's the kind of identity God wants us to have so that we can live so confidently and boldly and courageously, you see according to the image of the one who created it. Because Paul said, the whole purpose of God bringing us into a relationship with him is so that throughout this renewal process, we could all be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 29. Now, I'm going to end with this. I love this, verse 11. Because of this renewal that God's doing in each and every one of us, God is transcending all distinctions between us. It doesn't mean we lose our individuality. Please hear me. God wants us to be those unique creations, and and he celebrates diversity. But what Paul's talking about here is basically the unity that God wants to see amongst his people. And that God, through this renewal, doesn't want things to divide us that should never divide us. So that's why he says, here, there, then, there should never be Greek or Jew in the body. There should never be circumcised or uncircumcised. There should never be barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. There should never be male, female. There should never be black or white or whatever divides us. Young, old, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ, through his blood, through his sacrifice, through his death, burial, and resurrection, and through our life in him, and now our identity in him, transcends all that. And God says, therefore, I'm bigger than all the things that make you different, so that you all, no matter what your background is, whether, as you all know, in our case here at this church, whether you have a worship leader that has a charismatic background, or a pastor who has a very conservative Baptist background, that we can work together and be unified and help our church to be unified around worship in the Word. How does that happen? By not allowing the things that maybe were different with us at one time to keep us from coming together and doing what God's called us to do. And you see Satan always attacking that trying to get God's people to fight each other rather than to fight him. Even though the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but somehow we go back to thinking my enemy is my brother or sister in Christ. No. When you and I allow God to renew us, all distinctions disappear. And we then can come together. One heart, the heart of Jesus, now should beat in every one of us. One mind, the mind of Christ, should guide all of us. And one life, the life that Christ has planted in us, should be lived by all. That's God's desire for his people. So you see, notice something here. and I'll end in just a moment. You and I can't really 
come together as God's people corporately in a proper way until we are settled in our own identity individually. And that's why many churches struggle to come together and be a church family and, and to get along and stuff like you know we, we find here at the Oasis. We're blessed to have the, the family atmosphere. Not every church has that. But part of that shows that the majority of the people here at this church are becoming settled in their own individual identity so that then they can become part of something bigger than themselves and realize I can't stay separated from my brothers and sisters in Christ and I cannot allow the things that make me different from them or that make them different from me to keep me from coming together and, and projecting a unified front to the world. Because Jesus said, by the kind of love I have for you, that's the kind of love, that's the mark of, of my people that I want others to see. But then I wanted to end with this. Notice that last phrase. But Christ is all and in all. If you take any phrase away from the first 11 verses of Colossians chapter 3 tonight and take it home with you tonight and go to sleep with it and wake up with it, I want you to take that phrase. Because here's what it means. First of all, Christ is all, meaning Christ is everything. He's everything. And all I can say is that's a challenge to me because Christ isn't always everything to me. Other things, again, come in and sort of crowd Jesus out. No. Christ is all. He's all I'll ever need. Everything that I would ever want or ever need, I can find within Jesus Christ. Everything. Whatever is of worth and value, whatever is eternal, whatever will matter a billion years from now in eternity can be found in Jesus and only in Jesus. If we are deceived and we go looking for something outside of Jesus, it will never be the quality that it could have been with Jesus. Never. Christ is all. But then notice he says, and in all. It not only means that Christ is everything, it means Christ permeates everything. And again, that's what he wants to do in our lives. That's what he wants to do in our church. He literally wants to get into every crack and crevice of our being. He doesn't want a molecule of our human body to, to be absent from the influence, if you will, and the filling and the completeness that we can have in Jesus. He wants every pore of our body to literally be permeated and filled with him so that there's no part of our life that doesn't have Jesus Christ in it. And the same thing is true in our church body. Every seat Jesus wants to be in, every department, every ministry, everything that we do, Jesus Christ wants to be front and center. He wants to permeate everything. In a sense, the only thing I, it's like Jesus just wants to be dripped off of everything. It's like we're drenched in Jesus and, and we just come out of the water of Jesus and everywhere we go, we're just dripping Jesus everywhere we go. And that Jesus just literally dumps his presence on us and, and the whole church, even the building itself, is just drenched in the, in the water of Jesus Christ and we can't go anywhere without you know, just experiencing his presence and, and his power and all of that. 
He permeates every crack, every crevice. When you and I begin to experience that level of walking with Jesus, oh my goodness. We won't be like those dear souls on that program that say, oh, if I could only just meet my birth mother or birth father, I, I just, I don't feel complete. I feel like something major is missing in my life. And I, I understand from a human point, please understand. I, I understand where they're coming from. I'm just saying from a spiritual perspective, as a Christian now, Paul's saying, oh, if we just knew who we were in Jesus Christ, we would never feel that way. We would never feel incomplete. We would never feel unsettled. We would never feel like we're missing something in our life. Like we needed to add something else to our life besides Jesus. And then that would be the one thing that made me fulfilled and satisfied. No, he's saying, you've already got it. You've already got it. You've got Jesus. You've got everything you Let's pray. God, thank you for reminding us, God, of who we are. Because, Lord, we confess we need to be reminded. We can get so caught up in trying to either form our identity or have our identity shaped by the world and by people around us and by our position and power and prestige that the world gives us and even by the applause of others or the praise of others, God, our, our identity can be so shaped by so many different things other than you. And yet, God, Paul is clearly showing us here tonight that all we need is to have our identity just centered in you. Just to have everything come down from you. And to realize, God, that we've died with you, but we've been raised with you. That we live with you that one day we'll be in glory with you, and that our life is hidden with you. We have this really precious ability through the Spirit to be able to relate to you, God, at all times, and to have a life that is totally out of sight from everybody else. And yet, it's beautiful. It's just something that you and I, and, and we each as individuals, share with you and you with us. And that nobody can touch and nobody can take away from us, God. Oh, Lord, I just, I pray tonight that we would just be on that road to where once and for all in our life, we are so settled in our identity in you that we just live with such a greater courage and confidence and settledness and boldness, Lord, in our life and that we never look back, but we just keep on seeking the things that are above, keep thinking about the things that are above. And Lord, help us every morning when we get up to put those clothes of the old life, those grave clothes, put them in the back, way back of our wardrobe, of our closet, not even look at them, and to get out that beautiful new wardrobe that you've provided for us in Jesus Christ.
Help us to clothe ourselves in that new man. Help us to put on Jesus every day and to walk out that door every day with our head high because as we sung at the very beginning, we've been made new. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you on Sunday and next Wednesday.